Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 346. Today is Thursday, December 7th, 2023. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to follow the Elijah Fire Podcast. We thank you very much, very much, Lee. And then make sure to rate this wherever you guys are listening to this podcast. That also helps us out a ton as well. So, um, guys, I wanted to point out that yesterday we started the final teaching series of the year. And if you have not watched it yet, I strongly recommend you do. It's called Discerning Prophecy featuring James W. Gall. Yes, the James W. Gall. And it was amazing. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. Uh, It was an amazing time. So please go check that out. There's going to be three more episodes the next three weeks, next week, and the two following weeks after that. So you don't want to miss that, but you can check it out. It was yesterday's episode, so it's super easy to find. Um, yeah. Also, we have Elijah Fire merch now. Woo! Um, so we've got shirts, men's and women's shirts. We've got a mug, and we've got uh, we've got a five a sticker pack of five stickers. So you can buy them individually as well, but it's a better deal to buy them all five. We wanted to give people the option to buy an extra one if you wanted to. Um, so yeah, super excited, super grateful at your guys' patience. Two years worth of waiting. Hopefully it was worth the wait. And we, you know, we have other ideas too of things we want to do, but this is a good starting point. So if there are any other things you're like, ah, oh, I want I really want this thing, guys. I had it in my mind that I needed Elijah Fire toilet paper. Well, <laughs> let us know in the comments if there's anything else that you guys would love to see us produce in the future and we'll see if we can make it happen if there's enough demand i did we're not doing toilet paper guys okay let's just i i will admit i did entertain the idea of elijah fire wrapping paper i'm not even joking as we're on the verge of christmas i thought about it, it was something that we could do but uh you know just baby steps maybe next year we'll we'll do a limited run and we'll make it look have like the snowflakes on it or something i don't know I'm just spitballing here, guys. I I got a whole year to think about it if it's even a possibility. But anyways, um, yeah, uh, would be super sweet. Uh, so guys, um, I'm really excited uh, to have this guest back on. We had her on a month ago. And we were chatting backstage, and we got on the subject of generational curses um, affecting marriages, relationships, all of that. Um, so for those who don't know, my guest today, she's an author, a minister. She is the founder of Tribes Arise International and the executive director of Naomi House in Arizona. Let's give it up for our guest today, Genevieve Dawn Skidmore. Welcome back. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Elijah Fire. Hello. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, so Genevieve, yeah. last time you were on the show, we were talking about other things of great importance. You gave a great word. So I encourage everybody. It was about a month ago. Go check that out. Um, but we were talking about generational curses and you were voicing to me. This is something I'm really passionate about. And I was like, this is a great topic. Very necessary. Um, so why don't you, I mean, you can set it up however you want, but I just want to give you the floor as well to jump right in. Okay. Well, it is an honor and privilege to be here. I really pray that um, people, especially that are struggling in their marriage, uh, single moms, um, I believe a lot of households are going through a lot. So share this yeah. broadcast. I think it's going to encourage somebody. 
Um, I know the Lord has helped me to walk through some serious fire when it comes to family. And so I want to share some of that. And I'm just going to jump right into it because um, one of the things is it's a huge subject. It's a it's a big subject talking about marriage and family. Um, so I don't know how far we're going to get. I think I'm just going to take my time, though, and just really um, relay this message to yeah. those Okay, so partly it'll be about sharing my personal story about, you know, my marriage and of, uh, to my husband of 16 years. Um, we've been on the front lines of ministry basically since the day I had a powerful encounter with Jesus. I was almost automatically put into the front lines of ministry. Wow. And whether you're in the front line of ministry or not, marriages are under fire. There's a war on kingdom covenant. And so um, I wanted to I want to talk on those things, um, uh, war over marriage and family. Um, and then there's two things I would love to be able to get to. I don't know if we're going to get there or not. But number one, why? Why is there so much warfare um, against families that families are in today? And then number two, why is there a lack of healing and a lack of deliverance and a lack of freedom? Um, in the life mainly of believers, we know in the world it's going to be dark, but for believers, um, why there's a lack of breakthrough. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how far we're going to get, but here we go. Yeah. Um, so I want to get to that. And some of the tools that God has given me um, in this last season of my life um, to what I find out was to help break generational curses. And mm -hmm. I will say, number one, it was to be broken off of me. And I think that, that is so important to start off with because almost it's human nature to feel like, well, if so-and-so would change and if my spouse would get it together, then I could really do great things for God. We always want to blame somebody else. We always want to point the finger. But at the end of the day, honestly, wherever we're broken, we usually attract broken that broken place in other people. And so um, if we don't get free as an individual, um, then there's no, there's, that's where it's at is getting free as an individual. And so we'll just go ahead and get right into this. Um, and I'm just going to say it right up front. Um, the, there's three things that the Lord gave me a strategy in. Um, that I, I want to be able to break down, but I don't know how far I will get. And number one is a prayer strategy. So prayerlessness is going to leave you under complete vulnerability and attack. Hmm. Number two is adding fasting to the prayer strategy is what literally um, broke me through. And so I want to just say that right up front. I really believe the lack of, of fasting is one of the reasons of the why behind a lack of deliverance and a lack of freedom. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible says that this kind, however, this kind does not come out, but by prayer and by fasting. And so I think a lot of us are dealing with um, a lot of demonic things. Um, but then the third thing is the renewing of our mind systematically, like your life depends on it. Mm. Um, and God gave me such a powerful strategy for that. I don't know if we're going to get there, but the bottom line is this, you cannot counsel a demon, right? You cannot counsel a demon and you cannot cast out a mindset and you absolutely must have 
both. And God has given us, he has well equipped us um, to be able to um, renew our whole mindset because that's where the battle is at. And I remember, you know, going through all our stuff because we we go through stuff like everybody. And over the years, my husband would make made this comment and he said, you know, we've been to counseling and it's not it's not helping. It's not working. You know, we've we've sat with counselors, you know, we and we have over our marriage and things like that. And I reminded him, you know, remember, you cannot counsel a demon. Those have to be cast out. And as uh, the people of God, as, as we add prayer and fasting, it can position the whole household for deliverance. So we're going to get to that. Um, so you can't cast out a mindset that has to be transformed. And I love this statement and it encourages me so much is this. All God needs is one in the bloodline to break generations of wrong thinking. And I'm going to say that again. Mm -hmm. All God needs is one in a whole entire bloodline to break generations of wrong thinking, because that's where generational curses incubate. That's where they live. It's in the mindset. It's in the belief system. And so everything is won or lost in the mind. And the battle is for the real estate of your mind. So when you're going through all kinds of stuff in your marriage, if the enemy can convince you to live out of the realm of your feelings, you already lost. Amen. Because that's where the battle is at. It's for the real estate of our mind. And the truth of the matter is, is that we can renew our minds right up out of a generational curse. And so that's just kind of laying the whole foundation um, of what I would like to be able to get to today. Um, and so number one, there's a war on kingdom covenant and marriages and families are under a full-blown attack. Um, and if you know somebody that's under attack, you should send them this link. Um, because at the end of the day, the enemy would love for you to think that you're the only one that going through what you are going through. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not, you are not the only one um, that all families are under attack. There's an all out war over households. Um, and I've heard, especially over the years in ministry, people prophesying that revival was going to come through families, that revival was going to come through the living room, that revival was going to come through marriages and children. And I don't know about you, but that always made me feel very disqualified. Like, um, okay, well, that's good for all of you, but you don't know the generational junk that are that we are dealing with. Yeah. Um, and if it is the family and the household, because I believe we are one generation away from a godless society. And if we, if it really is families that are going to pass down worship, the worship of Yahweh to our children and train them up in the way that they should go in the admonition of the Lord. If the next move of God really is coming through the family, I want to talk to the people that feel disqualified about that and help give us some tools about that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Jesus came, God, when he decided to send the savior of the whole world, he sent him to a small tribal people group in Israel. Um, he uses the things that don't make sense. He uses what we think is inadequate. He uses what it just, we feel, uh, you know, disqualified. And so don't, don't count yourself out. And if Jesus and family 
is really the answer, you know, to revival, to healing, to God restoring himself into the earth, then somehow the enemy would have to defame the name of Jesus and bring the degradation, degradation, I'm saying that, that wrong, to the we family. Yeah, to the family unit. And of course, I'm always talking about First Nations, and it's not just First Nations. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly what happened over an entire people group was that name Jesus was defamed. And through boarding schools and other things, the family unit has been totally desecrated, totally ripped limb for limb. So now in this generation, I'm not, I know it applies to everybody and not just natives. Um, but the native people don't have very many gener we're not very many generations away from that. And so my generation is dealing with um, fa the fatherlessness, the addiction, the, the statistics. They were loaded up on me and my husband. And I'm sure on most you know, people, just it's a people issue. Um, but I think it's very interesting. And I've noticed um, just this is interesting to me that the very first appearance that the enemy makes when he is introduced into the Bible for the very first time, we don't see him anywhere. We don't see the the, de the devil making an appearance until man and woman created in the image of God himself were brought together as one flesh. And the first place we see the enemy it, it coming in on the scene is in the home in the garden. Isn't that interesting? He's not even introduced until man and woman came together as one in covenant. And as soon as the enemy saw that man and woman came together in covenant, he said, I'm going to need to go in there and disrupt that unity. I'm going to need to go in there. Come on now and bring all the lies and start all the things. And we all know he hates marriage. We all know he hates family and all the things, but it's for a reason. It's because you and your spouse right? You and your family um, made in the image of God are commissioned by God to be fruitful, to multiply, and to have the God-given charge to fill and subdue the earth. Okay. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28. So threat. We are, you and your spouse and if you're a single mom, you better listen to this broadcast today because you are a threat to the enemy. That's why he hates uh, marriage and all the things, because we have been given the charge to subdue the earth with God's glory and take dominion. And nobody else has been given that charge. We have been given the charge to occupy and take up territory in the earth with the plans of heaven. So if you think about that, we all know everybody has a call on their life. Everybody has a purpose. What's the number one way that the enemy will try to dismantle and deconstruct your purpose is by the people that are closest to you. This is why marriages, I really believe, um, are hit and hit hard because if I don't get her confused, if I don't get her frustrated, if I don't get her bitter and unforgiving, then I might not be able to sideline her and silence her. Mm -hmm. Come on somebody. And that is the goal. And at the end of the day, he doesn't really just care about your car and he doesn't really just care about your money or, you know, your Tuesday. Um, he's coming for our seed. He's coming for our legacy. 
he's coming for for the children amen and he might try today i don't know who all i'm talking to besides maybe everybody but he might try to get us focused on things like i'm i'm always cold and he's always hot or you know i like but he likes pizza and i like salad right but at the end of the day he's literally terrified of our purpose <laughs> of our purpose and his goal is to abort your calling abort your anointing abort your blessing and inheritance and ultimately to abort your destiny so it doesn't matter how hard that you have gotten hit he wants to abort what you carry of the generational blessing in your bloodline and so of course he does that regionally and on people groups but even individual families you carry a generational blessing that he's wanting to abort so hmm. this is good he unleashes then generational bondage generational curse generational trauma all the things that all happened in our childhood by the way in order to keep us from ultimately dominating and taking up territory for the kingdom in the earth. And I love how in Joshua 24, 15, Joshua admonishes the people who had come out of 400 years of bondage and, uh, and slavery and victimization, right? And he gave them the three choices that you and I have today. And he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this is an encouragement to a single mom this is an encouragement to somebody that you know your spouse might have left and never came back that's okay because you can choose for yourselves today whom you are going to serve whether the gods which your father served which for native people that's ancestral worship and all the things um you can choose that if you want um that are on the other side of the river or the gods of the amorites in whose land you dwell so for us in the americas there's lots of gods he says you can go ahead and serve that he says but for me and my house we're going to serve the lord and it really has to start with one person making a decision i don't know what y'all are going to do i don't know what choices y'all are going to make but especially as a mom or or a father either one you have authority to say now i'm going to serve the lord and therefore so are my children regardless what your spouse is doing okay so moving on and i'm just going to keep going uh yeah well and really quick i because you were like well i'm speaking to you know native americans but also it could apply to everybody i i think people will will be able to see that i think if anybody who's like oh this doesn't apply to me like it should you should be able to extract the biblical principles however last time you were on you were giving a word about how bringing that reconciliation within first nations people in this country is essential yes. to what god is going to do nationally and not even nationally globally so mm -hmm. i would say i mean if you want to speak directly to first nations people please do like mm -hmm. because it's it is it is definitely a need and that's a necessary ingredient to what mm -hmm. god is doing you know 
come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, these, um, so I was going to give now the definition of a curse. And like you're saying, um, a cursed mentality does hover over certain people groups more so than others. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. But a cursed mentality is something any of us can choose to adopt. And what is a curse? A curse is a concentrated spiritual force used by the enemy to sabotage the success and destinies of individuals or families or nations. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a spiritual force used by the enemy to sabotage. So now if you don't have marital issues or or strife in your family or issues in your home, then praise God. We want to hear you on the next Elijah fire. Okay. We want to learn. But for those of you that are going through absolute trauma and absolute, you know, just hellacious circumstances, um, the Lord, I believe is going to help you to break off of the toxic, crazy train. Yeah, Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the definition of a curse. And all God needs is one in the bloodline to break generations of wrong thinking. Okay. Again, it's in the belief system. So that scripture in Joshua 24, when he says, choose today whom you're going to serve, um, is such a powerful concept that we overlook the power of choice, the mm-hmm. power of choice. So regardless of what your mama did and what your grandmama did and what your great grandma did, amen, mm-hmm. you have the choice. Regardless of what choices your spouse is making, you have the power. You've been granted the gift of choice uh, to and, and the choice to not be a victim, amen, because victim is a mindset and victory is a mindset. It is a series of choices that leads to a different destination. Come on somebody. And so we have the choice um, to not be a victim to what my father did or didn't do, what my mother did or didn't do, or to not be a victim to bloodline proclivities or generational sin. Come on, Eve. I can see your comments Yeah. on somebody. The power of choice, Donna. To not be a victim to what was passed down to my bloodline proclivities or generational sin. Okay. Go ahead and jump in if you want to, Jeff. No, this is really good. Keep going. So a while back, I did a marriage Zoom uh, event type thing online. And there were so many, and specifically wives, but I know we have husbands on here too, um, that are just in the midnight hour of the soul. Like mm-hmm. there's not much of anything that is more painful than marital trauma and, and, and household, um, heaviness. It, it, it is just, it hurts. And so there's a lot of hurting people. Um, and I, I didn't realize how many really until I had this zoom, but we did a, um, a, a survey, uh, when they were registering of what are the issues that you're facing. And I'm telling you the list goes on and on and on, but I'm just going to give a couple that people are going through. One of them was, um, an incarcerated spouse, which my husband was incarcerated for a majority, uh, not a majority for a long time of his life. We both came out of 
hellacious uh, before Jesus testimony. Yeah. We both been through it. You name it. You name it. And I don't know if we'll get to that, but some of the lists that the ladies were giving, uh, huge communication issues, infidelity. Um, this one was one of the biggest ones, unequally spiritually yoked. Yeah, A lot yeah. of women don't know how in the world am I supposed to carry the weight of the spiritual responsibility on my shoulder? God didn't make me for that. And then I'm not supposed to be mad at him. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm supposed to, you know, respect and I'm supposed to, you know, la, la, la. Like this is how we're, this is how women are feeling. This is how people are feeling. Um, how to walk in unity, how to build trust. Um, another one was um, setting healthy boundaries, um, inner healing, marriage after or remarriage after marriage, finances, just so many things. And so I want to now transition and begin to, to share my personal testimony so I can then give the keys that what God helped me through. Um, and so um, I, I'm, I'm going to read it because I don't want to skip the important parts. Um, but my husband and I have been married going on 16 years now, which there's no time in the world to explain what an empowerful miracle that is that we are still married. Okay. Um, that's a bonafide miracle. And I will be getting to that um, rest of that story. But every time I share my story, because I've been sharing my, my te marriage testimony for almost, uh, almost two years now, everywhere I go, when I share about my testimony, I feel like I'm literally punching the devil and giving him a black eye. <laughs> Or like you mess with the wrong one. In fact, somebody needs to just say that right there, wherever you're sitting and let the devil know you messed with the wrong one. You might have gotten me knocked down, but I'm going to get back up. And one of the things that I told the devil when I was down on the ground for the count, even in, under my breath, I might not have been saying it loudly, but I said, you know what? I'm going to pull seven marriages out the fire for what you are doing to me and my children. How many know that's an attitude? That's an attitude yeah. that we to adopt that attitude. And so I love punching him in the face and being transparent. And as I share about it, I also want to give a shout out to my husband for his willingness for me to be transparent and his willingness and uh, to allow me to share our story and that I just really honor him. And I also want to say uh, we are in no way, shape or form perfect. We still have our issues, but um, the Lord brought us out of a really dark place. I also love to give some marriage disclaimers and I know I'm kind of going fast. I hope that's okay, but I'm just no, going. No, no. You're good. Just a real quick marriage disclaimers, because there's always going to be somebody that says, well, what about me? Because I'm divorced and things like that. Uh -huh. If you're already divorced or you're a single parent, um, he walked out. He never came back. All the things you're already um, divorced. I love to tell divorcees there is life after divorce. And that divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Come on, somebody. Then we're going to get into some of this and yeah. I'll just move on for the sake of time. But there mm -hmm. is life after divorce. So if you are a woman of God, man of God, and you're divorced, you can still walk in the fullness of what God has called you to do if you will pay the price to keep your heart right. And so we're mm -hmm. going to get into that a little bit. Number two, disclaimer. 
No two marriages are the same. Um, every marriage has, come on, Julian, every marriage has a different set of circumstances, mm -hmm. challenges, and issues. So there are no blanket answers that will apply to every situation. Okay. That's all there is to it. Only God knows what you should ultimately do in your specific situation. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, and then number three, when you talk about marriage covenant, um, you're going to have to talk about the concept of agape love and walking in uh, the love of God, right? But I love to remind people that agape love doesn't mean that anything goes. It does not mean just because you're walking in love and because you believe in marriage doesn't mean that you just are going to have to put up with absolutely anything because sometimes love looks like some good boundaries. Oh, come on, somebody. Y'all mm -hmm. talk. In this oh, place. man, that's huge. Sometimes love looks like boundaries. Mm -hmm. Sometimes love looks like intervention. Yes. Sometimes love even looks like temporary separation. Um, especially when there's things like addiction. Now, if anybody's being physically abused, get out. God never, ever said to submit unto sin. Amen. Mm -hmm. And so I love to give those disclaimers. Okay. Because if you are driving down the road at hundred miles an hour intoxicated and about to hit a brick wall, love is going to pull you over and put you in jail. Yep. I love you. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Well, and to that, our society says what's loving is to allow people to do what they feel is best for themselves. Well, look, the addict, for example, is going to think that what's best for them is more substance, more fill in the blank, whatever is they're addicted to. So the most loving thing you could do is to intervene in their lives and to tell them something that will be perce perceived as unloving to them because yeah. what their flesh wants to do is something that is actually unloving for them. So yeah, I'm very, I had to walk through this, this summer with a friend of mine who was in, deep in addiction. So yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things for most I, I'm going to just say women because that's what I know mm -hmm. for most women is to set good boundaries that that is a whole subject all by itself, because most women and I'm not saying all uh, it, uh, a general curse that women deal with is the fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. Oh, come on, somebody. Most women would put up with just about anything to not see that man leave you and not come back because you have a brokenness in your soul that has not been healed. And so you have a generational curse that you are dealing with, whether he leaves or and comes back or whether he leaves and never comes back, you can actually get healed of a generational curse of abandonment to where you're so healed. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I am a healed person. Come on somebody. So if he, you can change from absolute fear that he's going to never come back to the mindset. And I don't mean like, Oh, I don't need a man. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, a fake 
security. I'm talking about you're so whole that you're like, you know what? That actually, that's your loss, bro. Because at the end of the day, I am worthy. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who I'm talking to. Because women need to know your life is not contingent on your marital status. Neither is your anointing. What it's contingent on is how you respond to the issues in the marriage, not the issues in the marriage. <laughs> that is so good. Somebody's getting mm -hmm. free on that one right there. Yeah. My God. So that was number three. Yeah, you better come on, Eve. <laughs> mm -hmm. Number four, and this is my last disclaimer. At the end of the day, all your praying, all your fasting, all your decrees, all your declarations won't necessarily guarantee um, and doesn't always necessarily mean that the person will choose life hmm. or choose right or choose help or choose covenant. Okay. And, and just like I just got done saying at the end of the day, you are not a victim to their choices. Mm -hmm. okay, I'm coming for you, girl. Yeah. So, so good. So I'm going to share quickly a little bit of my journey just so people can kind of see um, they're not the only ones that are going through this. So, um, and there's power in a testimony too, by the way. Um, so as I mentioned, my husband and I have been married for almost 16 years this coming February, and we both had a very crazy pre-Christ life like everybody else, just like you. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, all the statistics for natives is me and my husband's um, story. So all the addiction. Um, he was incarcerated. Um, I suffered through uh, domestic violence relationships in my past. Um, we were not in a physically domestic violence situation, my husband and I, ever. But I had suffered with uh, those in the past. Um, I was a teen mom. I gave up one of my sons for adoption when I was 19. I had an abortion at 20 years old. In fact, I put that all in my book, by the way. You need to go get that book. Send me, I'll go. Um, my whole testimony is on there. But what was so significant in our and, and detrimental in our lives was we both had fathers who suffered with extreme alcoholism. Um, which left my husband and I with the generational curse of um, abandonment, both of us, of insecurity. It left that gaping hole in our heart growing up, right? That, that question mark that everybody has. So again, all the stuff that you're dealing with in your marriage, it all started at childhood. It all started at childhood. And so we both had very alcoholic dads. His dad um, ended up having some sort of an encounter with God um, and was delivered of alcohol overnight one day um, after Kevin was already grown. My dad died prematurely um, because of addiction. So um, for years and years of just self-harm through drugs, through alcohol, through the the seventies, you know, he was like a hippie. And so he, he, he drank and he did drugs and yeah, I mean, we went hard. Up, yeah. We grew up in house parties, you know, my dad wow. would have house parties and it got crazy. And I, I literally, um, cannot hardly believe to this day that me and my sisters were actually not molested growing up wow. because there was always crazy men around and mm. all the things. Yeah. And then the other thing that my husband and I have in common is we both had moms who prayed 
and the power of a praying mother. Let me just say, that's Mm -hmm. why prayer is what breaks the generational curse because you're standing in the gap and you're interceding. And so um, we both had moms who prayed, which is why we both got saved. Um, And then we both had radical encounters with Jesus and, and got really honestly, we both got saved um, at separate times, but we were like everybody else, two very wounded people standing at the altar talking about, I do when you don't even know what, yeah. in the <laughs> you don't know what a healthy marriage looks like. You don't. And honestly, I think, why do we do these at marriages? You know, like, and I say this kind of jokingly, mm-hmm. but we need the person that is marrying the couple to basically say, okay, ma'am, do you promise that you're going to stand by this man until all of his demons are dealt with? Then you can say, I do. Sir, do you say, I, do you promise that you're going to stand by this woman's side until all her generational junk is delivered off of her? Okay, now you could say, I do. Mm. <laughs> I know we don't do that at weddings. No. But, you know, <laughs> listen anyways, I'm sure. But uh-huh. um, anyways, So fast forward um, to about 2020. So we've been married for a long little while and the enemy came back around for my my husband's very life. And so I got hit when my family got hit by an absolute grenade in 2020. And a lot of people got hit in 2020 uh, just in different ways, right? A lot of homes, especially. But the enemy literally came around and to take him out to really just get him at the jugular. To be honest, it was it was just uh, a nightmare. And so when he came around, um, it came in the form of some mental illness started to manifest, some PTSD from trauma that hadn't been dealt with, some bipolar type stuff, um, some crippling anxiety, um, fear. Uh, he got involved, we'll say, with ungodly activities, some addictions. And at the end of the day, it opened up the door to me and my children and my family to all the hordes of hell. Hmm. All of the all of the doors opened up. Listen, unless you're a female that has been through that, you do not understand the trauma that can be associated when you're covering, oh, come on, somebody (laughs) loses it, right? And there's nothing more painful than marriage trauma. And I know anybody that's going through it is, is listening. It was ugly. It was absolutely demonic. It was strategic. I recognized that I was in the fight of my life. And in my situation, I was forced to put some strong boundaries, which again, we don't have time to even talk about that, but by God's grace, because believe me, um, that was the last thing that I ever wanted to happen, but I was forced to put some very strong boundaries to see if he would choose, come on somebody Mm -hmm. to make the right choices. And ladies, you know, and men too, there's no guarantee that that person We'll have the tools, we'll have what it takes, or much less the desire um, to make the right choices. And when when you cut the covenant like that, it opens you up for, I mean, I'm telling you, I had voices 
that were talking to me. Now, we're just only talking a couple of years ago. I had been saved a long time, front lines of ministry for a long time, you know, uh, grown in the Lord. But all of this um, came against me. And um, he chose to do things his own way, which was my worst nightmare, right? I thought, yeah. well, if he leaves, then surely he'll snap out of it, right? And that just was not the case. He was not snapping out of it. And so he was gone, not for two weeks, not for two months, but Jeff, he was gone for two solid years. <sighs> Man, Genevieve. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Yeah. Anybody getting helped out there? I think you need to share this because yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure this is. I mean, I saw there's some people. There's actually a, a woman who's First Nations in Canada, and she you were describing how you're raised. She said you just described Come my upbringing, on, so I know there's a lot of people that are really connecting with this. Come on, Selena. Yeah. And again, that generational trauma, especially on First Nations, the disintegration of the family unit is a thing. And then we come into the church, we come into the body of Christ, and we don't know, first of all, what a major target you are, because me and my husband got a call of God on our lives, and so do you, to take up territory with heaven on the earth. And so, yeah, he hates you and me, um, but God only needs one in the bloodline to break generations of wrong thinking. And I would have never gone through those things of getting myself delivered if my worst nightmare hadn't happened. If I would have relied on myself, if I would have said, you know what, go ahead, I'm gonna put up with whatever because I just can't be alone. Uh-uh, no. As for me and my house, come on, somebody. <laughs> We're going to serve the Lord, right? Yeah. And so he was gone for two years. And of course, this triggered my darkest fears because my number one fear was abandonment. Yeah. That was my, no, my number one fear was abandonment. But what that did, Jeff, was it revealed my generational curse. It, wow. it, it put the spotlight on me if I would allow it. Right. I didn't, it took a while, but it put the spotlight on me that no matter what you choose to do at the end of the day, I don't want to live with abandonment anymore. Right. And your value is not placed on whether he stays or leaves, you know, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And so if your value is in anything else, you're going to perpetuate the toxic fear cycle in the home. And that toxic fear cycle perpetuates until somebody gets off the crazy train. Hmm. And by God's grace, he showed me how to get off the crazy train and get healed. And well, get and to so to that, Genevieve, something I've been thinking about a lot lately, just in terms of just the areas where I've seen a lot of victory, things that were passed down generation, maybe it skipped a generation, but showed up again or whatever, um, is realizing, yeah. you know what? Any amount of difficulty you're facing is worth it. If you're, if you're choosing to say, no, I'm going to be different. I'm going to trust in the Lord. This is his promise. I'm going to grab a hold of that. I'm going to stand on that and I'm going to move in that direction. Of course, you're going to face resistance. Of course, it's going to be like, you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to stop because you're like, this is too much. Um, but you choosing to resist, you choosing to stand on the promises 
and the deliverance of your bloodline is going to guarantee future generations don't have to deal with this. And that's what we want, you know? So that's something that always puts a wind in my sails is, is if things get tough and I'm handling, you know, roughing through something I know is something that I inherited, um, man, that's what puts winds in my sails. He says, I set before you life and death. Yeah. Blessing and what? Cursing. Mm -hmm. Therefore choose life for you and your kids. Choose life Mm -hmm. that you and your kids can live. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's choosing what to face the giants in you. That's really what it comes down to is facing the giants in you. Somebody said something here and I agree, Matthew. COVID unleashed a spirit or mental of mental illness over the earth and I believe that lots of anxiety, depression and yeah, other illnesses oh, have increased significantly and that's exactly what it was. Was when that when that was released through that uh season of COVID, it whatever was in the us as people was was hit and it and the way that we are our brokenness responded to that and was triggered and that's really what happened in my family honestly and so i was triggered when he walked out and i was faced with myself i was faced to say who am i if i'm divorced in the church hmm. who am i if i'm a statistic it was my it was my biggest fear that he would yeah. never come back that i would be a statistic in the church that I would be a victim to another generation of the curse being passed down to my children because I looked back and my father walked out when I was 11 and my daughter was 11 when he left. And so you got to look what is perpetuating in this generation that you can trace back to the last generation, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's the exact same age that my father left and never came back is when he left my kids. And I said, I have some major choices. I have some major trauma that is happening. And I was, I was beyond scared. I was beyond angry. I was beyond devastated. I was wounded. I was hurting. I was confused, all the things. And I realized, you know what? He was too. Hmm. He was going through the dark night of his own soul. And he was literally trying to keep his head above water. Um, That's just where we were. And, you know, that describes a lot of homes that describes a lot of families and describes a lot of first nation families and native people have such a call of God on them as a people group, but they are trying to survive their home life. They're literally trying to keep their heads above water from generational trauma, generational um, disintegration of the family, generational uh, uh, and historical wounds. And God is looking for us in this generation to rise up and break it off. And I keep coming back to this point. It doesn't matter what your spouse is doing. Okay. All right. So maybe you're in that place. And I do want to share two things that helped me get through two years Two, just two side notes. Okay. That really helped me to be able to, because a lot of people that are in this situation say, how long do you wait? When does this go over the line of this is crazy? Give up, move on. Like, and those are great questions and only the Holy ghost knows, but here's what helped me tremendously. 
Um, two pieces of advice. I had one phone call with a counselor. I I should have been going to therapy. I wasn't. I it was me and God, and I don't necessarily recommend that. It was just my situation. Yeah. And that so I'm tough. <laughs> oh, it was it was rough. Okay. Meanwhile, you know, running a whole ministry and the whole thing. But I had a, a phone call with a counselor, and he just sat there and listened to me cry my guts out. What do I do? Ask all the questions that you're going to ask when you're in the middle of, of hell and, and fire. What? How long do I wait? What's the right answer? Am I supposed to stay? Do I divorce? Am I staying because I feel like I'm a doormat and don't have enough self-esteem? Or am I staying because God is telling me to stay? I'm confused. I don't know what to do. And he just listened to me vent, right? But what he said after I got done talking, he said, uh, Genevieve, you sound like somebody who has the right heart towards God. You don't want to hurt God's heart. You don't want to make the wrong choice. You you really want his will. And that was the honest to God truth. That is what I wanted. Because when you're in covenant with God, it changes the way you see covenant. Hmm. But at the same time, like at the at the end of the day, I love you, husband, but honestly, I'm in covenant with God and I'm not making a move until God says make a move. Right. But then when do you cross over the line of enough is enough and all those things? Yeah, it's a big and question. So, well, listen to what this counselor said. He said, because you have the right heart. Now, if you don't have the right heart, this won't apply to you. But he said, because you don't want to break God's heart. This is what I like to tell people. There's door A and there's door B. Door A, you stay and stick it out. Door B, you sign the papers and move on with your life. He goes, what I like to tell people that have the right heart is whether you go through door A or whether you go through door B, God is on the other side of that door. Hmm. And that brought me through. Yeah, that that helped me so much because then I realized the pressure is off of me. God is going to take care of me no matter what I have to walk through. And then the second piece of advice that helped me so much was an older woman, the Lord. And I was, I was doing the same thing. I just crying my eyes out. What do I do? And I bet you I was two weeks in at the time, two weeks in, right? How long do I have to wait? What, what do I do? And her advice ministered to me. And after she got to listen to me crying and throwing my natural fit and all the things she goes, Oh no, no, no. She said, when God releases you from this marriage, she goes, you'll know it. You will not be able to pray, not for one more day. The grace will lift off of you to pray. And I'll tell you what, that right there carried me through two years because I didn't know if God was going to release me tomorrow. I didn't know if he's going to release me in, in, in a week. But today I have an unction to pray. Come on, somebody, that's going to help somebody right there, you will know when you're being released by God, not by the opinion of your family, not by your, your hurt feelings. But when it comes time to be released from that marriage, you won't be able to pray not one more day. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to keep going. Is this all right? Yeah. I don't think that's it too, Genevieve. When God when you know it's the right time to leave and it that, that actually applies like you will know is what you said that applies to anything if you're seeking for direction from the lord there's so much pressure we put on ourselves to be like oh like um 
And uh, and I love like the advice you got, whether it's door A or door B, God is on the other side of that. We have a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so often in the church, we look at like divorce as this thing where it's like, oh, that's the big one. Yeah, and we put it above murder. Yeah, come on. Genevieve, we put that above murder a lot of people. And it may be a subconscious thing, but we do because, you know, we look at people like Moses and we're like, he killed a dude, but God still had a ton of purpose to fulfill in his life. And we're totally cool with that. But when it comes to divorce, come on. Like all of a sudden we're like, no, that's not that that's, that's not because Jesus told us that we're not supposed to get divorced. I'm like, well, he's also said to not do a lot of other things, but we're so okay with going, okay, you did that. Well, God's grace is good and it's going to cover all the stuff. But when it comes to divorce, suddenly we're like, no. Um, So anyways, it's not the unpardonable sin. What is going to be the most important thing for you as an individual is keeping your heart right. You never want to make a decision when your heart's not right. You never want to do something that is out of alignment with what God is doing and saying. But again, if that is your heart, then he is going to be there no matter what door you have to walk through. So good. And it's so, not the unpardonable sin. And there is a life and fullness of purpose after divorce. Yeah. Okay. And I've seen a lot of people, Genevieve, who ended up getting divorced, who were believers, and they ended up pushing further down a life of sin because in their minds, they know how people respond within the church to divorce. And that actually pushed mm-hmm. them farther away from God because they're like, well, I'm already here. I might as well just do whatever. Um, yeah. and they have since come back from, to the Lord, you know, but in uh, a lot of that is we just done a huge disservice to, to people of just going like, God is with you no matter how good or how bad your decision mm-hmm. was, you know? Come so come on. So good. So true. And so the enemy was definitely working overtime to really, to silence me, to get me to quit, to get me to back down, to intimidate, which is what the enemy does. He brings intimidation. And so I had arrows from the pits of hell, just unleashed against my mind, Mm -hmm. against my heart, against my ministry, my children. Like when you mess with your kids, that's a whole nother realm uh, for a female to carry. I Um, I heard literal demonic voices. Um, I, and even though people weren't saying it to me, I could hear religious accusations because we know the accuser of the brethren is accusing us day and night. Um, and even though nobody was saying it directly, you know, how can you be a voice for God? How can you be a voice to the nations when your household is out of order? And I want to address that real quick mm-hmm. about your household being out of order because we have crucified people with that concept, even though it's a truth statement. You do have to have your house in order. And what I use used to think was when my husband's acting up and being abusive, maybe emotionally or some kind of other way that my house is out of order. But what I didn't realize was that his walk with God has nothing to do with me. I didn't realize that his walk with God is between him and God. And if I will pay the price to respond correctly from the heart with the condition of the marriage, then no devil in hell can hijack my call or my anointing or my Mm -hmm. peace. Okay. So, um, all the things that was all happening. And, and at the end of the day, yes, there are definitely times 
when you're going to have to sit down, right? There are definitely times where it's like, pull the mic, you need to sit and get healed. You need to go through deliverance. You need to go through counseling. You need guidance, all those kind of things. But then there are other situations where what God is saying is you better get up and you better dust yourself off and you better hold your head up high and walk in the fullness of your identity in the midst of your worst nightmare. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to know the difference. Hmm. All right. I know I'm saying a lot. I know I'm saying it all. Isn't that good? Super, because super good. If, if you are in the category where you really do actually need to get up and walk in your identity, the enemy is going to keep you sidelined in self-pity and all the of course. things. <laughs> but if you're the one that really needs to sit down and heal, you're going to, in your pride, going to want to just continue on, even though your family's left a mess in the, in the background. Oh, come on, somebody. That's such a good word. That is such a good word. You know, you really do got to know the difference. Mm -hmm. I feel the oil on that, actually. I feel like that really needs to be talked about in the body of Christ and in the church, because you cannot lump every marriage together in the same scenario. Okay. Come on, Jillian. All right. And so at the end of the day, the point is, is that we do not have to carry a false burden for other people's decisions. Mm, So good. Isn't that so? And that's so that's a huge one. That's hard because when you're in covenant, you're one. And now all of a sudden you're having to maneuver through what sin brought onto your marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's that that sucks is what that does and then you get offended you get unforgiving you get all the junk and now that's when you need to stop but if you are able to babysit your soul in the midst of your worst nightmare you can what the lord showed me what told me is if you will pay the price to keep your heart right i will allow you to advance the kingdom legally while you wait hmm. okay but that's hmm. a high price it's a high price not to get bitter and and resentful and fearful and all the things. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep going. Yeah, um, you're I, good. Okay, we can't carry a false burden for other people's decision, even though the decisions will absolutely affect you. How unfair mm-hmm. is that? Okay, super but, unfair. But <laughs> ultimately, the, their decisions are on them, yeah. and not and not on you. So each party has to take 100% responsibility. So so to every disgruntled wife, you now are in a position where you have to take responsibility for your own condition of your own heart. And that's painful Mm -hmm. because there is no, I want it to be fair though, okay? And um, at the end of the day, we cannot change the other person, period. No amount of tears, no amount of begging, no amount of flesh is not going to accomplish it. Controlling, all those are generational curses that all have to break. Amen. Well, even in like, even even outside of um, a relationship, some of you guys are seeing in the comments are single. It could be you're in a hard situation where you don't feel released to leave just yet. And it's hard enough to have one instance or a couple of instances to have to kind of do the work to make sure you don't get bitter, to make sure you have the correct heart posture. But sometimes you can be in a situation, romantically or not, where it feels like there is a bottomless supply of 
of new scenarios that come your way because of this person and you're having to constantly check your heart every single time. That's exhausting. I know what it, that feels like. Absolutely. Yeah. It will consume you mm-hmm. if you um, are not intentional. Yeah. So I want to come to where we got a breakthrough and I'm there's three things that I'm not going to be able to get to. If I ever come back on, I'm going to show systematically how to renew your mind in a tangible way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to have a chance to get to that. I don't think. Um, but the point that That's I really, Genevieve, want, we'll, we'll have you back on. It's okay. Yeah. that We, no, we got to get to okay. the renewing the mind and dismantling yeah. the nest because remember in Proverbs 26, two, um, where, where there's not a curse without a cause will not alight. Mm-hmm. And so anywhere there's a legal landing strip in your thought process, you can dismantle the nest. And that's a whole teaching by itself, but it is so powerful because um, God showed me how do you renew your mind? How do you take thoughts captive? Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. You grab them out of the air above your head and you force them down on a piece of paper and you come out of agreement with it and you make an opposite decree until you don't think that way anymore. But we don't got time for that, okay? So what we're going to talk about as we kind of get ready to um, not close, but I, I want to give about prayer and fasting and a testimony. Yeah. Um, so again, the point is, is that you, no matter what they choose, you can fulfill the God, the call of God on your life. So I had a choice. I had a choice either to get bitter or to write, get better. I mean, I've heard that one said before, but I had to choose to go to work, co-laboring with the Holy spirit to be changed from the inside out. Um, to be changed from the inside out Um, because at the end of the day, his grace is sufficient and you can single parent them kids. If you have to, Mm -hmm. you can do whatever you have to do in Christ. Okay. So here's where I want to get to is, so we were separated by generational curses of abandonment and addiction and things like that. And as while he was gone, and I'm not going to get to the strategy of renewing the mind today, but that was, I was starting to employ that strategy of renewing the mind while simultaneously he gave me a prayer strategy that I want to pass on to you. Um, We all know that it's important to pray, but he gave me a strategy. Um, In fact, what he showed me was you're going to have to have the spirit of slumber broken off of your life, or you're going to be taken out. Wherever we are prayerless, we are powerless. And when we are going through pain, one of the first things to go is our intimacy with the Lord because we're hurt. Mm -hmm. And he woke me up at four o'clock in the morning and I don't have time to share it right now, but he said, we're going to break the spirit of slumber. So I started an apostolic prayer hub in the, in the midnight hour of my soul and just invited people to come and pray at six o'clock in the morning on zoom. And we pray in the Holy ghost in order to pray out mysteries and in order to be strengthened in our spirit, man, this is key to the body. And so if you ever want to jump on our prayer zoom, would you go to tribesarise.org forward slash prayer hub, because we're still gathering, but wait till you hear what the Lord did. (laughs) So I'm renewing my mind and I'm praying for this season while he's gone Mm -hmm. two years later. Okay. Cause I don't have time to talk about a couple of important things. I'll do it next time. But two years later, um, I never stopped 
just praying. I never stopped keeping my heart right. And I never stopped advancing the kingdom because God gave me that grace to do that. Well, two years in, no sign whatsoever of reconciliation, not even a clue that there would be reconciliation. In fact, the only time I heard from him was he would call me with a desperation in his voice, pray, because I think I'm going to die of an anxiety attack. Wow. Only time that I heard from him. In fact, the last time I saw him um, after two years, he walked, he came to my house for the first time, one of the first times in two years. He basically sat across the table from me and he said, This is never, this is not, we're not going to stay married. And at first, I came up underneath that thought and I got real sad. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, That's a demon talking. Hmm. And I go, Oh, okay. I was like, okay, that's just a demon. I thought to myself and I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, let me know if you change your mind. And, you know, and he left. Okay. (laughs) After he told me that, you want to know what God told me? He said, I want you to hold a tent meeting on the Navajo Nation. And I want you to call it the War on Kingdom Covenant. And I want you to baptize families in water. And And I did not want to do any of that. I'm two years in to being almost divorced, you know? And of course, God knew I was going to obey. So we threw a tent meeting um, that that year called the War on Kingdom Covenant. And that morning, I got up in front of the people inside of the church and shared some of my story because everybody else was going through hell too. Every other family was getting tore up from the floor up as well. And I sat down in the back and the Lord kept saying, fill up the tank, fill up the tank. So I looked at this, I call him this white guy from um, Kansas City that was there. And mm-hmm. I said, um, I said, brother, uh, brother Allen, I said, go fill up the baptismal tank. God won't leave me alone about it. And he goes, amen, I'm gonna go fill it up, right? Yeah. Well, that morning, I had a friend come minister to the people about PTSD and trauma. I'm sitting in the back row of the church, this little Navajo church in Arizona. I'm sitting in the back row and my youngest daughter walks in the church And she looks at me and she looks back and she looks at me. And my husband had walked into the church that morning for the first time in two years. And now mine was full of demons. He was, had been in the pig pen for two years. He was all the way gone. He didn't even look like the same person. I'm sitting in the back and he sat down next to me and we were touching shoulders for the first time in two years. And woman is ministering. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel, Isaiah 61. And as she's ministering that scripture, he starts shaking in his chair. He starts manifesting in his seat. And all of a sudden she stops the service and she says, sir, I need to pray for you. She goes, can you come up here? She goes, if you can't come up here, I'm going to come to you. And so he got up and like barely walked up to the front. She continues to minister to him. She says, everything that's in my heart is going to be transferred into your heart. And she goes, look at me. And he looks up and she goes, oh my God, are you Kevin? Because she knew my, my marital situation. She knew my husband's name, but some people had never even met him. We've been separated so long. I said, that's Kevin. She hugs him and he begins to turn to pure just water, just washing off of his body. He was being delivered, so powerfully delivered of demons after demons after demons, right? That night, an apostle from the Navajo Nation uh, targeted him in prayer under the tent and hit him again. 
hit him again, hit him again. And he was being delivered. What I didn't know, Jeff, was that baptismal tank was for me and my family. Hmm. And we <laughs> I'm getting close to getting done, but I'm going to end Come here with on. this is so good. When that next morning they baptized him and then he baptized me and then we baptized our babies. That's amazing. And then families came through that tank because remember one of my decrees was as I was learning how to renew my mind, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull seven marriages out the fire mm -hmm. for how you're tripping and how you're messing with me and my family. Man. And that day, marriages came through the baptism, right? Well, for three days, he was pouring out liquids out of his face. And I told the girl that ministered, I said, we really need to pray because there's been a backlash. Now he's he needs to go to the ER because his face is dripping stuff. And she says, oh, that's not backlash. He's being delivered of legion. Hmm. Come on, somebody. For three days, he was delivered of a regional because he has a regional anointing and calling hmm. life. Come on, somebody. I don't know who I am talking to. And after that happened, we were able to come back into the same household to begin a healing process. But I have to share my last point. And that's when the Lord added fasting to my prayer life. He already gave us a prayer strategy that brought us to this point. But when he added fasting, I want to encourage somebody because if you decide to go ahead and start fasting, the devil's going to tell you you're doing it wrong. He's going to tell you you're not making any difference. He's going to tell you that's for sister spiritual because I feel like I just got hit by a car because I'm withdrawing from caffeine like a heroin addict. Oh, come on, somebody. He's going to tell you that it's not making. Oh, I'm going to skip a meal and a whole generational curse is going to break off. Let me encourage you. We started fasting with a strategy. We do about two days of the of the first two days of every month. And because the scripture in Matthew 17, 21 says, however, this kind does not go out except for by prayer and by fasting. So we were continuing the prayer hub and we were fasting. Um, and what happened was during the year that he was home and we were starting our healing, I could still see the demonic presence that would try to lurk and come back around. And we added fasting and he continued to kind of digress a bit until one morning um, he texted me and he said, when you wake up, come to the living room. I want to tell you about a dream I had. And he had been being tormented again over the last few months. He's sitting in the chair where I sit for my prayer hub and he looked like he saw a ghost and he was like, like visibly like unsettled. Wow. And I'm there at seven o'clock in the morning, like what's happening because prayer and fasting friends can position your household for deliverance. It can, because there are requirements for deliverance, such as humility and um, such as especially humility and desperation. Prayer and fasting can position your household for the conditions of deliverance. Okay, so I hope somebody's catching what I'm saying because um, we can hear this whole message today and be hearers and not doers, but this is the power of fasting. It says this kind does not come out but by prayer and fasting. The word kind in the Greek is the word genos. It's where we get the English word genealogy. Oh, come on, somebody. Mm. It's where we get the word kindred. It literally means offspring family 
stock, tribe, and nation. Wow. It means nationality or descent from a particular people group. How many of you know, you don't know how to pray for what is the descended upon the, nas- the nations in your household, right? You don't know the generational things. You don't know. None of us could be able to pray those things away. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so that morning he's sitting there and just visibly stirred up. And I, and I, it's seven o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what's going on? I sit down. He starts crying. He said, God woke him up at four o'clock in the morning to deal with him. And he started showing him about a book he read in prison, like 15 years ago about the cross and the switchblade with Nikki Cruz. Yeah. Come on. And how they were interviewing Nikki Cruz and they said, how did you know you would never go back to the world? How did you know you would never go back to addiction? And he's crying, telling me this. And I said, well, what did he say? And he said, I knew I would never go back when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. My husband is telling me this. I'm sitting there and he's crying. And I said, well, did you ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost? And he grabbed my hand and he said, I was waiting for you to help me. Oh, man. And this morning, <laughs> we went through a simple prayer in Luke 11. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Ghost if you ask? I said, let's ask. And so we held hands. And we went through a prayer of asking and I started praying in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, my husband of 15 years, who was always full of pride and never once made any stammering lips, starts making a noise. Right. When I heard him start making a noise like he was praying in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden the power of God fell on me. And I said, pray, pray in the Holy Ghost, pray like your life depends on it. And all of a sudden, these rivers of living water from the depths of his belly started moving on the inside of him. And he starts out of his mouth flew rivers and he began to pray. And I mean, pray hard in the Holy Ghost, Jeff. That's Mm. the power of prayer and fasting. But all of a sudden, while he was doing that, he starts choking. And I knew it was time to cast out the devil. All of a sudden, I said, in the name of Jesus, every demonic spirit of addiction, every spirit of double mindedness, every spirit of, you know, whatever it was, you come up and you come out of this man of God in Jesus name. And he started vomiting, Jeff. That's gnarly. (laughs) Onto the living room floor. I am talking about strategies to break generational curses off of bloodlines and marriages and families. And if you're not praying, if you're not fasting, what are we even doing? And we don't have time to talk about renewing the mind. I'll come back for that. But as the demons were coming out of him like easy, here's what happened, Jeff. I realized something about deliverance. Number one. It is easy to cast out demons in the name of Jesus if the person wants it, if they meet those conditions of humility, if they meet those conditions of desperation, and that prayer and fasting can change somebody's want to. Hmm. It can position them for a breakthrough. Come on, Eve, we could go for two hours because I, I seriously, I have to come back for renewing your mind. Yeah, no, it's the people want it. 
The people Come. wanted Genevieve. So guess what? After that, after 20 years of ministry, everywhere I go, I see demons flying out of people. Mm. And I have never seen deliverance like I have seen in the last two years because of what? Obeying the strategies that God gave. And prayer, listen, go to the uh, tribesarise.org forward slash prayer hub. And you can also download some notes on there if you want to download some notes from today. I'm getting ready to close, uh, Jeff. But wow, right? Yeah. Because again, you can't counsel a demon. Right. We could spend the rest of our life going to therapy. In fact, I was in Michigan a couple uh, weeks ago, and there was a woman that testified that said she had been to therapy for 20 years. But that night when we preached deliverance, she got more freedom in deliverance in one night than years of therapy. Come on. Okay. And that's why I'm so passionate about also teaching the renewing of your mind, because you do need both. Yes, we can take prayer requests. We're going to pray for the people. Mm. It is a game changer, Ken. It is an absolute game changer. And listen, if you decide to go ahead and start a, a fasting strategy, I'm going to tell you right now, the devil's going to tell you you're not doing it right. He's going to tell you that it's not making a difference. All the things. And while you're fasting, you're not going to feel anointed. You're going to probably feel miserable. I felt like I was withdrawing from heroin when <laughs> I stopped drinking coffee for three days. Okay. But if you think about this, it was one apple that caused the curse to pass upon all humanity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think if we obey God, when it comes to food, there's going to be an impact. And so we can do a whole class on fasting, which we probably could. Mm -hmm. But um, as we close, unless you have something um, that you want to interject there, Jeff, I know we do need to pray for people. No, I say, take it away. Go for it. Y'all don't want me on coffee. You don't want me off coffee. Oh, and honestly, so you're not going to feel real anointed. You're not going to feel real spiritual when you're fasting. You're going to feel pretty miserable. In fact, it's going to bring up your flesh and you might not even feel saved. (laughs) For real. Because it's in you. Come on, that's helping somebody. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever's dormant in you starts to rise to the surface. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All of a sudden you're angry, you're depressed, you're all the things. Well, that's because it's manifesting. Those spirits that are laying dormant in you are manifesting so that you could cut the whole head off of that. Mm. Mm. So anyways, here's a closing scripture. All right, here's a closing scripture. What we're going to do, I think, is we're going to pray specifically for, I think, deliverance. Um, because that's what the topic was today. Um, but anybody that needs deliverance, like I said, um, man, we were ministering in New Mexico under a tent and I was sharing my testimony. We went through deliverance and it started with a lady in the back, all of a sudden started just screaming bloody murder, um, just out of nowhere, like towards the end when we were renouncing after she screams bloody murder, like over the side of her chair, throwing demons up the whole tent just exploded in deliverance. And so my point is, man, I hope this has really helped somebody because I could have easily thrown in the towel, right? I could have easily succumbed to the lies of the enemy 
that he came to hijack my family, my life, my ministry, just give up and quit and all the things. Um, but I know this is helping somebody. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, um, Jesus summoned to him his 12 disciples and he imparted to them power and authority. Come on, Arise. Come on, Ashley. Good to see you, sis. Um, he imparted to them power and authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure all kinds of disease and all kinds of weakness and infirmity. That's Acts chapter one or chapter 10, verse one, seven and eight. So we've not only been given the dunamis, the power, but we've also been given the exousia, the authority, the supernatural ability plus the right or the jurisdiction. In fact, the passion says, make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people. Come on, somebody. So go ahead and get your heart right right now. Lift up your hands right now. Yeah, you can stand in the gap for somebody too. Maybe it's not you. In fact, here's what I really want to do. Let's stand in, gap, in the gap right now for our bloodline. Wow. Let's stand in the gap right now for our entire households. That includes aunties, uncles, cousins, nephews, nieces, grandparents, the whole household. Amen. Maybe your your house is clean, your temple, but maybe you are the one that's going to be standing in the gap for the whole entire family. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. I am going to take four minutes here and read one more scripture yeah, concerning Okay. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12, Matthew 21, verse 12. It's about sweeping the house. Okay. So either we're going to sweep your house, your temple or your household, your bloodline, Matthew 21, 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and pigeons. Again, a curse cannot alight. It can't land on the nest without a right. So here they were. They were making transactions in the outer court. They weren't doing it in the inner court, in the, where behind the veil, in the spirit of the man. They were doing it in the outer court, in the soulish realm. That's where these spirits reside, mm -hmm. is in the soulish realm. And Jesus came to the temple. How many know we're the temple? He came to the temple and he went to go cast things out. That was his reason for going. When he went, that's what he ends up doing is casting things out from the outer court, from the soul where the foxes hide and the birds hide and the thieves come to make transactions. And he overthrew, he overthrew, which means to turn upside down tables and seats of those who sold pigeons. Um, so we're the house, we're the temple, we're the house of God. It's my house. Come on, just let the enemy know this is my temple. These are my kids. This is my bloodline. This is my family members. As for me and my house. So just submit yourself to the Lord right now. He says, because this is what he told them in the temple. He said, this is my house, but you've made it a den of thieves. 
In other words, you've allowed the liar to come and perch up on the inside of your soul. And when Jesus came in, he came to sweep it and overturn the tables. He says, you've made it a place that's comfortable for the lies of the enemy, for the devils to come in and rest, for robbers to come and thieve. And notice his solution to that was to come in and cast it out and to overthrow it with an overcoming force. That's what deliverance is. It's an overcoming kingdom that overthrows with, a, with an overcoming force that one cannot resist. So I'm speaking into your spirit right now. I command your spirits to come to attention and we just begin to shut down doors, begin to repent right now for whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. Maybe it's unforgiveness, that's a major one. Maybe you've been mad and angry at your spouse. Maybe you've been acting a fool. You've been partnering with the lies of the enemy. You've been cursing out of your mouth, word curses against your family, against your marriage, against yourself. You better start breaking agreement with the those things. You better start putting the light on the den of thieves. He said, this is my house, but you're making it a den of thieves. So we just, Father, we repent, right? We renounce, begin to renounce right now that spirit of abandonment. Begin to renounce right now that spirit of fear and divorce even. Begin to renounce whatever it is. I renounce suicide. Come on, on my bloodline. I renounce and repent of an abortion. Somebody needs to go ahead and repent of abortion or maybe someone in your family that had an abortion. Mm -hmm. You're standing in the gap for your bloodline. I repent for my anger and rage. I repent for my pride. I hear addiction that you have been turning to alcohol instead of the Holy Ghost. You have been turning to pornography instead of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. You've been turning to uh, responding and control and manipulation and witchcraft, trying to control people instead of the Holy Ghost. Begin to renounce those things right now. In fact, I just say it in right there where you are. I renounce all witchcraft in my bloodline. Mm. I renounce all idolatry to the third and fourth generation. I renounce all forms of idol worship. I renounce um, what, whatever it is, unworthiness, um, the fear of being left and not choosing to trust God. I renounce heaviness and oppression. Amen. Let's walk through forgiveness and just say that. Say, Lord, because you have forgiven me, I choose to freely forgive him, her, them, whatever it is. I lay down all bitterness and resentment. I release all hatred in my bloodline, unrighteous anger. I repent and I choose to forgive. Come on, some people are getting free right there just on forgiveness alone. It takes you off the torturer's chamber. Forgive from your heart right now by faith. Forgive him. He walked out and never came back. Let him go. Come on. They left and never left, left you for dead. Right now, forgive. Right now, repent for partnering with unforgiveness. It's a legal access that the enemy has to our soul. Also, let's break soul ties. Let's break soul ties, especially people that you um, have had sexual encounters with that is not your, your um, spouse. That will leave you open for these spirits to come on in and have their way. And so we re need to renounce soul ties wherever there's been sexual abuse can form a soul tie. 
um, all of those kind of things. So I just want you to say that. Say, I, I break the unhealthy soul tie. Maybe it's a soul tie to your mom or dad that treated you wrong. Mm -hmm. I break the unhealthy soul tie between me and, and then whoever it is. I break it. Say, I send back any part of their soul that I have kept. I take back myself and any part of me that they have kept. Come on, there's power in words. Amen. This is like a court hearing. Amen. Say this, say, God, please wash me of this connection and restore my connection with you in this area of my soul. Whoever you're standing in the gap for, you can intercede. Maybe you're carrying your niece and nephew or your daughter, whoever you're standing in the, in the gap for. Lord, we break all curses and ungodly covenants in our bloodline. We break all covenants that are running through the generations of our bloodline. We renounce the kingdom of darkness and all of its works. We renounce anything in, that our uh, ancestors worship, necromancy. We renounce witchcraft. We don't want you, not in our family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, Father, over every single person, under the sound of my voice, I take the authority that you have given us according to Ma uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. You have given us the authority. You have given us uh, the power over unclean spirits, and I command every spirit right now of depression, every spirit of oppression, every demonic generational curse of divorce, every curse of abandonment, every spirit under the sound of my voice that is not the spirit of God. I command you on three, you come up and you come out of the people of God, the one that is desperate, the one that is positioned, the one that is humbled, the one that needs a move of God, on three, every spirit that has been tormenting you, every demonic curse that has been lurking, I command you come up and out right now. Every spirit of heaviness has to go. Every demonic spirit, every demonic atmosphere in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, anything that is not from you. God, and we pray that those uh, generational curses be broken off of the individuals on this Zoom first and then off of their marriage, mm -hmm. and then off of their children and their bloodline in the mighty name of Jesus. In fact, I would even uh, close this by saying, just renounce and repent for prayerlessness, and renounce and repent for not fasting or not being a doer. And we're going to ask, Lord, that you would release a supernatural hunger like never before to pray. A mm -hmm. supernatural desire because we can't do any works on our own, only by the grace of God. But, Lord, I'm asking you to release a supernatural hunger, a desire for you more than food, a desire to fast that you might think came out of nowhere. Father, just at a fire under us to, to pray and to fast like never before. And I give you the praise for that, Lord. 
thank you and praise you for this opportunity, Father, to lift up the name of Jesus on the airwaves. I bless every person under the sound of my voice now and the replay. I thank you for Elijah Fire. I thank you for Jeff and Illumination and the crew that continually push and say live and proclaim the freedom in Christ. And we give you the praise for that today. We seal it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And any spirit that we dealt with, we call you to go to the abyss and never to return. And we seal it by the power of the Holy Ghost today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Genevieve, that was awesome. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for the opportunity to give oh. the devil a black eye. Yeah. Mm, I take that. Yeah. We'll do it again. Yes, absolutely. We're going to talk about renewing the mind next time. Yes. That's a, that's a good one, guys. That's a real good one. And yes. I know some of you are in that place. I saw some of your comments just saying like, that's been my struggle right now. So uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Genevieve, um, obviously you mentioned the prayer hub which yeah. actually there's a link in the description, everybody directly there. Obviously you can go to tribesarise.org slash prayer hub, or you can click the link to the prayer hub right there in the description. But how are some other ways people can, uh, can follow you, um, stay up to date. Yeah, so it's all right there on tribesarise.org. Um, of course, Naomi house is on that website as well. Our children's home, uh, Facebook is tribes arise with Genevieve Dawn or my personal one is Genevieve Dawn. Um, and I think that's, that's, oh, Instagram. I got a little bit of Instagram going on. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of that, a little bit of that guys. Wasn't that amazing? That was so good. I know you guys were super impacted by it. The, the chat was very lively today. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a bunch of new names that I have not recognized popping mm-hmm. up in there too, which is really cool. Um, so, so there's people really, really responding Genevieve. So, um, mm-hmm. man, Genevieve, yeah. thank you so much. This was mm-hmm. great. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate you all. Yeah, there's an there's an anointing behind what you're talking about because you've gone through the fire, you know. It means so. testimony means do it again. It yeah. opens up the realm for the the way that the power of God fell on somebody to be opened up on others. Mm-hmm. So, amen. Yeah, come on, come on. Well, everybody, have an amazing amazing Thursday evening. Tune in tomorrow, Friday. We've got Marty Meyer back and we pre-recorded it cuz I'm off tomorrow, but it is no less amazing. It was super good, super great conversation. Uh, kind of tying into a lot of this too. So, uh very good how God has kind of just woven together a bunch of the episodes. So, that's it. Tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, don't forget if you have not purchased our merch yet, please do. Elijah Shopper dot com go into the search elijah fire or you there's a link in the description it'll take you right there do not wait buy it now because it's going to sell out and then we have to you have to wait for a restock you don't want that so um we love you guys and we'll see you tomorrow at 2 p.m pacific time 5 p.m eastern time with marty meyer okay bye this has been elijah fire thanks for listening For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.